First of all, I have zero filter on what comes out of my mouth. Second of all, the guy's talking about my mom. What the hell is he doing? Our RS is in the jackpot. We don't do something there. I'm just telling you that. This is the Co-Violation Podcast. Hi, this is Dominic Team, and I want you to listen to Code Violation every time and so on because this is the only one they let me listen to when they kick me out of the room. Hi, my name is Dominic Team, and even though I don't win majors, when I get kicked out of the room, I listen to lots of podcasts and I really like this one. Welcome to Code Violation. My name is Dominic Team. Thank you and enjoy the show. Not you, Serena. You can suck my. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Good afternoon. Good morning. I thought they made up. Well, I, I think the reconciliation sounded kind of one-sided. And, and so now the blame has shifted from where it started to the other side. Now Serena sounds like she did nothing wrong and Team kind of looks like the jerk. Yeah, it's kind of hard for Team to look like a jerk, isn't it? He's a, such a nice guy. He never really looked like a jerk to me. He was... He was frustrated, although although I don't know what he said about the bad personality. That that was kind of strange, but I also don't know exactly what he said and in what language. So it all kind of all kind of washed over me. He also said that that Roger and Rafa would never do that, and he explicitly, obviously, left out Djokovic. So that's that's another strike against him. Did did he really do that? I mean, I know like I know that's what the headline said, like Rafa and Roger would never do that. But he, did he really say that? I don't know. We're going full, full mole farm, mole farm this episode. I'm bringing all, all the right. conspiracies. <laughs> Finally, after nine episodes of saying like, this is not a Djokovic podcast. Like we're, we're fed up. It is now. Full That's, mole it. Farm. That's it. Gloves are off. Good. I am. T- I am tired of all these hit pieces on them lately. So I'm ready to go. Oh, here we go with the martyr routine. But look, the hit pieces. Should should we peruse? If you have anything you'd like to point to as a hit piece, I would like to hear it. Okay, let, let's let's do what we like to do on this show, which is plagiarize. Oh yes, I okay. like that. Um, so this comes from a friend of Code Violation again, Anna Mitrich, who I think will not threaten to sue us. I hope. That's because she won't listen. There's probably that. <laughs> she won't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she just notes that, all right, here we are, or at Wimbledon, or as uh, my in-laws who are in town like to say, Wimbledon. Are they going to come in so we can greet them? I don't think so, but Hugo might. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, good. But anyway, it, it's like the home of the British tabloid press, which is probably the worst press in the world. And for probably since... Since it became clear that Djokovic and Murray were not equivalent, which is, I think, about 2011, um, it's been like kind of nonstop character assassination of Djokovic. Well, there was one today by a a fellow who wrote like a really ridiculous hit piece on uh, Sharapova a few years back, Oliver Brown, about the unloved narrative, because we need to get that back. So, So that's already back out. Wait, so Oliver Brown, is he a journalist? Uh, one could say so. <laughs> does he have a blue check mark? I'm pretty sure he does. I mean, not that that means anything, but I mean, if we're going to hunt for croc blogs. He is a writer. Oh. Oliver Brown, Telegraph, 
He is the chief sports feature writer for the Daily Telegraph. And I would say, judging by his uh, banner pick, that he is uh, he's rather foppish. Okay. He's got some Hugh Grant floppy hair going on. Okay, so let's assume that he's a journalist. He's followed by Christopher Clary. Is he followed by Morgado? <laughs> is that the, yeah. the litmus test? He has yeah, eight, that's the bar. That's the bar of importance. He has 8,800 followers, which is like, you know, more than 10 times what any of us has. That's weak, so. though, for a journalist. It's it's. Yes, that's fair. But I mean, this is a person who writes like about David Morgan, an extraordinary life. Do you guys even know who that is? I don't know who that is. Nope. No. We should also keep in mind that public enemy number one of um, the anti-mole farm journalist is Simon Briggs, who does not have a blue check. <laughs> Briggsy. Briggs fam. But yeah, he. but he's so notorious for like sowing the seeds of dissent about how all this players council stuff is Novak's fault that yeah the the new moniker is Briggs fam about these British journalists who desperately want to take him down and, and prop other players up so he has so Simon Simon Briggs is kind of the bar but he's irrelevant he has less followers he than, has 200 more than Brown yeah but Brown is really nobody my point is some of these people who are not well known in general like like Christopher Clary have a lot of clout in this community people listen to simon briggs and his idiotic drivel and and like he can he can control the conversation a lot even though like two thousand people follow him because all those two thousand people are the ones who are constantly talking about this and it's just it's more than anything it's just so boring the politics of tennis like, who gives a shit really like why are tennis fans even even interested in chris kermode as was well pointed out yesterday, he, he hasn't been doing anything to push the woke agenda that everyone's, you know, clamoring about. So, so I don't understand why people care. I couldn't pick Kermode out of a lineup. Me neither. I have no idea what he looks like. No. I bet he has, like, brown hair and is usually wearing a blue suit. I bet he has bad teeth. How's his forehand? It's shit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I definitely don't care about him. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean that, that, that's a good point, though. I, I think of what you're trying to say is that he, he's not a fucking tennis player. So you as yeah. a tennis fan do not give a shit about him. Yeah, I hear you. I think Hugo just broke the door down. Hey, there he yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> my man. Hugo. Our first guest. He can't hear. <laughs> Hugo, what you doing? Get him right up on that microphone. <laughs> that's good okay. stuff. Can you? Why are you here? No. <laughs> Can you go? Uh, no, I'm gonna talk to you. Hey, Hugo, where's your brother? He's too late going to Lego Tower. Oh, I was hoping he'd be working on that serve. Nope, no. Is that who <laughs> we're talking to? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Matt. Matt is your name too, you know. <laughs> yeah, Matt is my name too. <laughs> Lord Matt, actually. Hey, Hugo, what's that on your shirt? Uh, it's a T-Rex. Oh, a T-Rex. It's a T-Rex. Yeah. Oh, a reptile. Probably a T-Rex. Figures. Yeah. Like back in the south, you know? This is Phil's least favorite part of having the cameras on is because now this really humanizes Chris. I don't have this screen up when you guys have cameras He's on. He's not looking. Oh, that's oh, too bad. He's a good-looking kid. You should say hi to your nephew. No, I've seen him. He's a good-looking kid. 
I don't need to see it now. Hey, don't. Are you going to mess up? Hello, hello. Okay, Hugo, Mammy is calling you. Hugo. All right. See you, Hugo. I see you later. Step in. Take it early. Take the ball early. Okay, That's a real batsman right there. Yeah. Oh, look at Chris. Do you see his arms? Chris looks like he's got some pump going on in those biceps. Really? Yeah. Should I take a look? He's probably coming back. Hey, your arms are looking good. Put up the arms. Let's what? see. Not no, bad. The bicep. That's not how you flex a bicep. Flex it properly. Yes, flex a bicep. Look, Come on, what, Matt. What is this? A, a webcam? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> Flex it now. Live cam. Do it. Uh, oh, yeah. See? It's got a little ball on it now. Yeah. Now, now, Corey, flex your delt. No. Do you know what a delt is? No, I'm not flexing my delt. I don't know what a delt is. Look at that. Aww. <laughs> you can hear it. It's like a rock. It's all that is man right there. <laughs> and we're on, the, we're on the eve of the Fortnite. We are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The kitchen sink matches tomorrow. We're going to wake up to it. So I'm here all nervous. Yep. What time does it start? I think it's 8 a.m. for you guys. Oh, perfect. Don't even have to get up early. That is perfect. We have a little housekeeping to take care of. Um, okay. We decided that we were going to toast to ah, shit. the maestro. Uh, we agreed, if Roger won Hala, that we would do a toast. So... Does everyone have their drinks? I got a glass of water. Okay, I got a big looks, Starbucks coffee. That looks like a German beer, and I've got a Mountain Dew. Yes, nothing more German than Mountain Dew. So here's what we're going to do. When I play the Swiss anthem, everyone's going to take their sip and say one nice thing about Roger Federer. Or, if you don't have anything nice to say about him, your favorite thing about his tennis. Does that sound reasonable? Sure. Sure. So you're going to say, cheers to you, Roger, what I like the most about you is, and then fill in the blank. Who wants to start? <laughs> Who wants to start? I'm still trying to come up with something I like about him. Okay, I'll start. The Swiss anthem sounds like happy birthday to you. Cheers to you, Roger. What I like the most about you is your sophistication and class. Ugh. The anthem's gonna run out. Okay. Cheers to you, Roger. What I like the most about you is having Mirka in the box, smirking or staring at her phone, and just generally being um, kind of like indifferent to it all, which I really respect. Big finish, Phil. Here's to you, Roger. What I like most about you is your slice into the midcourt. You can almost feel the passing shot coming. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Well done, gentlemen. Roger, you're a champion, but most importantly, you're all class. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was successful. Hmm. Now for the other champion, Ash Barty, uh, she 
became the new number one after her big win in, uh, what was it, Birmingham, Alabama? Yes. Yes. They have nice <laughs> grass courts there. So we're going to salute her as well. Mm-hmm. Ash Barty, the new world number one and a champion like Ostapenko. This anthem is definitely better than the Swiss one. Of course it is. Yeah, it moves along. I think she's going to win Wimbledon. You think so? Yeah, that's kind of where, where my head is at with her. Barty or Penko? She's in the quarter of, the quarter of death. <laughs> Barty. Yeah, Barty's not going to win Wimbledon. I think, I think it could be Keys, which I know is strange coming from me. So you're not trolling us when you say that? No, I'm, I've got a thing. I have something prepared, sort of. Well, let's hear it. From Osaka. So Osaka, who's, you know, being her self-deprecating sort of self, kind of, is talking about how she doesn't really know how to play on grass. And she was doing a practice set with keys. And I think this is from today. She said she was, so she is keys in this case. She was serving, and I don't think I'm a bad returner, but I would hit a return right at her feet, and she would hit a winner off of that. I was like, this isn't right. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but she was killing me 3-0 in like seven minutes. I came back from that, but the first seven minutes were terrible. So she's, she's talking about keys here. Then she says, I know I wasn't doing anything wrong, but she was just blowing me away. I don't think I've done that to anybody before. That level of talent to me is crazy. I don't know how other people see me from the other side of the net, but that's what I was processing when I was hitting with her. I was hitting with her, and I was thinking, she's so talented. She was doing stuff that's so impossible to do, and she's doing it so easily, and it's such a natural thing for her. I was thinking, in essence, for me, people say that I'm talented, but when I was winning the Grand Slams, like, you know, like this was a long time ago, um, (laughs) it was because I was working hard. So I'm not a naturally talented person. I don't think I'm a naturally talented person. I think I'm supposed to be a hard worker. And that's what I learned from hitting with her today. Oh, what's her problem? I thought that was really strange. Wow. She sounds like she's having a little crisis of confidence. No, it doesn't. It sounds like she has her typical lack of self-awareness. That might not be real lack of self-awareness. It sounds like she's just saying stuff that's usually not glowing about herself. Gamesmanship? No, no, I don't think it's gamesmanship. I don't believe in the concept of gamesmanship. What, what does that even mean? What, what's an example of real gamesmanship that you, that you would call Novak out? Novak Djokovic? Well, um, besides him, like real legitimate non-cheating players. Like when um, Monfi plays possum? for you know three or four games so that the opponent might think he's hurt or you know just might be questioning him and then he goes crazy yeah he'll like limp around and 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 act like he can't breathe and well with Monfils I think there's long stretches where he actually can't breathe but I I I agree like he, he does all sorts of nonsense if that's gamesmanship then I don't have any problem with gamesmanship you have a long brutal match and if you want to take some time during games to, you know, look like you're tired or be tired or or just act however, you know, whether it's for your own benefit or to let your opponent see it or whatever. I mean, I don't care. No opponent should get distracted by that or, or no one should be offended by that. Like, that's totally in bounds, I think. Oh, absolutely. When When I said gamesmanship, I didn't mean it with a negative connotation because I think it's something that everyone has something that they do to get some sort of mental advantage or even if it's just perceived. Well, Federer doesn't. Not really. Never. He would never take, say, a long bathroom break after a first set that he lost to Davidenko in the Australian Open in 2010. No. (laughs) 
Never. Or a medical timeout in the 2017 Australian Open against Stan. But these are, you know, these are examples that people mine for over the course of 20-year careers. But if you want if you want if you wanted me to say the real thing that I like most about Roger is like he makes the least of a fuss of the top players on court. You know, he doesn't do a lot of stuff that makes people raise an eyebrow. He just kind of goes out and and plays. Gets a little bit pissy, but like there's no there's no real gamesmanship. I don't really care about players that do it, but you know, Rafa, for example, when he's lawn mowering in his opponent's faces, or Novak when he heels over and pretends to die against Murray. It's just stuff you don't really see from Roger. Anderson when he's cheering the uh, unforced errors. Come on. Come on. Anderson just I think that's entirely for himself. And it's almost like it, it's almost pathetic in a way to watch. But I don't think you can call it gamesmanship if it's not designed to affect your opponent, if it's only designed to help you. Right. I agree with that. That's true. And apparently it doesn't even work. There was a paper, people were studying these psychological tricks that people can apparently use, and there's no real evidence that pumping yourself up artificially has any effect whatsoever. Matt. (laughs) Yes. Matt. Yes. Remember when we talked about the peas before we went on the air? What Psychologically, that's not even a pea. There was a couple peas in there. Oh, oh, pumping, pumping. Oh, so how does my mic sound? My new mic. I can't tell the difference. Oh, it sounds fantastic. It's kind of like bringing a hammer to a, a pillow fight. No offense. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> you bought my mic, so I don't care. <laughs> and mine, although it was many years ago. <laughs> I was testing it yesterday, and just a little off subject, I was reading the same paragraph over and over, and I noticed that if I move my head a little off mic, my S's sound weird. So I asked my wife, hey, do I have a speech impediment? Like, is there anything wrong with my, like when I say words with S's? And she goes, ah, a little bit. Hmm. <laughs> so 45 years on this earth. Okay. And it took me getting this microphone to realize that there's a problem with my S's. What is the problem with your S's? They sound weird. They sound a little lispy from time to time. Apparently. Uh, so what are we talking about now? Curios? Oh, no. Let's talk about Nick. Who doesn't want to talk about Nick? Well, is there anything new to offer about the interview and subsequent events that hasn't been already talked to death? Yes. Yes? Oh, okay. Yes. Well, the Rothenberg bit is good. It's, I don't know if it's terribly interesting, but like that that's someone that that's something that nobody really pressed him on the one thing that uh i had to look deeper into in the curious saga was when he called people a potato (laughs) right (laughs) i did not know if that was just made up if it was truly derogatory or whatever so i had to do a little digging i found a a youtuber daniel grosditch his channel is gradual report And uh, this is what he had to say. What does it mean to be potato? To be potato means to essentially be dumb. Dumb. (laughs) Uh, Dumb. P-O-T-O-T-A-T-O-T-O. Potato. 
Being potato comes from the meme, I can count to potato. It was a controversial catchphrase at best. It is meant to indicate a lack of intelligence. The phrase, I can count to potato, might have been coined by Johnny Knoxville in a movie called The Ringer, where Johnny pretends to be a mentally disabled person in order to compete in the Special Olympics. So it wasn't just a random thing. It was actually a meme. I didn't ever know about that meme, but of course he would know. And uh, that's what he said on court. Do you do you have that audio of him saying potato? Yeah, I have the whole meltdown. We can we can break it down. Just if you want to chime in, I'll stop it. It's wide. Look at the mark, bro. It's right here. Look at the fucking mark, bro. Okay, so that was where Felix had hit a smash, and a whole bunch of paint flew up when he hit the smash. So it's it's quite possible that it was wide, but it just like lands and then. Oof, it's just like white powder everywhere. And and Kyrgios is like, it's wide. Yeah, this was definitely the where it really escalated. Oh, oh. Oh. How are you missing that? God, I'm done. <laughs> Who is, is that? It, is that to a lines person or to the umpire? I think that was to his box. Um he doesn't have a box. Well, he has that guy with the translucent glasses. Yeah, Uh-oh. he has one dude and sometimes his mom. Yeah. Poor mother. Warning. Done. Come on. I have I have players if you're going to do this. I'm done. I'm going to walk off. I don't want to play like, come on. That's a joke. I don't know what that was. It's a joke, I don't, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. He, he like hate struck the ball a couple times, won the point. And then said something else. So he's still going, and this is where it gets good. Now, what the hell? I'm born and bred, that's for sure. He must love tournaments that don't have Hawkeye. <laughs> that was one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. They didn't look at anything on that. I was surprised about that, actually. Because no, he was on the third court or whatever. Yeah, Hawkeye just kind of eliminates the ability to carry on like that, whereas the absence of it lets him carry the tantrum throughout the whole match and... Kind of keep the high ground in his head. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately blame it for his loss. Yeah, like imagine McEnroe in a Hawkeye world. He's not the same person. He'd, he'd probably go and try to smash the Hawkeye equipment, but <laughs> but yeah, it would... Where it would is invalidate it? it. I, I, I do think about that quite a bit, how... Well, one, how how often Hawkeye overturns calls, and then thinking back to how often you know huge matches were played without it. I think players are right about a third of the time. That might be a little high, actually. Yeah, and 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 they don't think they're right the majority of the time. They challenge probably so. You know, who mm. knows? But that's a lot of points going the wrong way. Right? Yeah, it is. The the lines people make a lot of mistakes. Not that you wouldn't expect him to. It's just, it's crazy that they were able to do this without technology for so long. Because right. Because there were so many mistakes. I, I wonder if they could do some kind of uh, 
retrospective review of controversial points and see if they can try to do some computer generation and attempt to get it. Probably not with the margin of error and when you, all you have is a recording. I like the idea of like zapruderring old tournaments. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of cool if they could sharpen it. Yeah. They used to do it on TV. They'd pause it and like show the ball and it would be however many frames. It'd be like 20 frames per second or something. So it'd be like, and then the ball's gone. Yeah, that, that would be a problem. Um, I tried to pull up Brad Gilbert, like some of his old matches, just so I could see how he plays. And uh, you can't even see the ball. <laughs> the um, video quality is so poor. And then it's, you know, converted to digital, and then you lose any chance of of doing the Zapruder stuff. So. And how does BG play? A lot of sliced forehands? I mean... All junk. It was a different game. It was, yeah, it was a lot of junk. I guess they don't hit forehands. They don't look the same anyway. It's kind of like a shoulder... It's just, it looks different. Not a lot of whip. Yeah. The only other thing interesting about that match with Felix was what Felix said afterwards about he admires what he does on the court. He's a good player. His tennis is incredible. But beyond that, if I wasn't a tennis player, and if (laughs) this is what he said, this is how you see how young he is. If we knew each other at school or whatever, he's not (laughs) someone I would be friends with or hang out with. So you have to look at two things. There's the tennis player and there's the person. I don't really feel like associating with a person like that. Look at him. He didn't mince words. Like, like he didn't even just make one passing comment like, ah, you know, we're, we're different people, so we probably wouldn't spend time together. He went into real detail about how, you know, if we were on the playground together, <laughs> as, as I was a couple of years ago, you know, I, I wouldn't be around him because, you know. Because he's a jerk. Uh, I wouldn't let yeah. him push me on the swing. No yeah. way. Uh, yeah. Oh, please. Be playing butts up with him every day. <laughs> no, but I, I do wonder because I know that, that Nick kind of pals around with Shefo, and Shefo's like Felix's best friend. Maybe they've had a discussion about Nick and his bad influence. Well, we'll have to uh, do a dramatic recreation of that conversation at some point. Oh, I can, I can overdo a French accent. Great. Because Felix doesn't really have one, but we can pretend he does. Phil, do you want to talk about your Bitcoin <laughs> crypto tennis currency? Obviously, it'll be too late for anyone that would be listening to this to join the bin pool for Wimbledon, but it seems like it could be a fun thing, and we'll probably do it, or at least some variation of it going forward. So we might as well talk about it a little bit. The backstory is um, Chris used to manage our suicide pools um we did a more conventional one like you know like a bracket tournament where you pick a player and if you don't get eliminated you proceed to the next round and whoever survives the longest is the winner um it's usually me i think avnish won the last round and i i got a little frustrated what? i'm i'm fact checking i got i got a list usually you yeah usually that's, me. that's note one do, do you want me to talk about this or not not really. Well, yeah. We would, I mean, if it's going to... Yeah, Matt doesn't. <laughs> uh, All right. I'm just going to sit this one out. Matt knows where this is going. <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. So usually I win. Avnish kind of plays this in a reckless manner, and so he usually loses quite spectacularly, but occasionally 
you know, it'll it'll pay off and he wins. It's it's like the Vavrinka method of of playing, which is fine. That you know, that's his right. Um, but I got a little frustrated last time with with the operations and the management and and Matt said, look, if if you don't like the way that I handle the pool and make rules as I go along, then you do your own next time. That's that's point two. And you know, ca- calm down. This is my segment. I said, sure, I'll do it, you know, with no intention of doing it. But then Matt kept Matt kept goading me and saying, there's no chance he'll do it. There's no chance he'll do it. And nothing motivates me like spite. So I decided to do it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to change it. We're just going to do a pool based on when Nadal will lose. Um, because Corey is a Nadal fan. And so we like to, well, I like to make fun of Nadal to try to get under Corey's skin. Um. And then from that, we said, okay, we, we can't realistically just do a just do a tournament that's trying to troll one great player. So why don't we do a concept where we'll take a number of players, one for every participant, and basically guess at what stage in the tournament they'll lose. Um, and so we pick each of us who enter the pool, pick one player, it can be anyone, and then we have a certain amount of just basically artificial currency that we allocate to each round so say you think Nadal's going to do really well, you can bet all of your money on him, you know, between the quarterfinals, the semifinals, all the way through winning. Um, or you could be Avnish and say he's definitely going to lose round two to Kyrgios and put it all in round two. Yeah, and I think then he put no money on the end for Nadal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then at the end, we just, um, we added up across the 10 players involved and, and see who did the best guessing across the board. So we'll see how it works. seems like some participants are still a bit confused. Um, so they have less than 24 hours to get their picks in or they're disqualified. And that's it. That, the important point is that this is going to be a fairly run pool and I'm not going to invent new rules to benefit myself as it goes along. So best of luck to everyone in coming in second. So the rule that sparked all this was it doesn't, it doesn't matter but let's let's okay hear it. Let's okay hear no it. that's okay no we don't it, have to talk about it we don't have to talk about that but we've we've spent enough time i think everyone gets it i think everyone gets the concept here which is integrity and we can go uh-huh. on and yeah i think, I think, think a, i think we have a gender study segment to get to more importantly i think our, our listeners know what was you know the ones who are participating in this poll know what, oh, they was, know. what was happening. So. If that's the case, then you should feel totally secure in what happened, Matt. I, I do. You, you sound like you do. You're not interrupting me and calling me a liar at all, <laughs> Lord. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. Wow. It's, a, it's a, a minor miracle that we survived that fairly run pool. I, I should have had... I, <laughs> I should have had the screen up when I was doing this. I would have liked to see your face as I was describing it. It's probably consumed with rage. No, we were just. No, Matt was crafting. Now you're both on tilt. We were both just. We had like our eyeballs. Go like, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. I usually win. Corey's biggest one was. I usually win. Go go back to the archives. Okay. It's all right there. It is. It's all saved. It's all saved. Uh huh. Speaking of gender well, studies, I don't know about leaving the women out of it, but I'll, uh, I'll let well, you answer that, to that one. Sure, I'll, I'll answer to that one. Um, 
this was this was a lot to think about and try to conceive. And so I couldn't be bothered to do two tours. And if you want to say that I should have done the women instead of the men, that's fine. It's one or the other. I could have done doubles. I could have done anything. I did the ATP because I think there's more. I mean, the real the real goal here is to create scenes and strife. And I think that's more likely to happen on the ATP side with Kyrios in the mix. And there's just a lot more vitriol between the big four fans and all that. <clears throat> So I just think the ATP side lends itself to more anger and hostility, so I chose that. But I, I do think that this, um, the way that you're running this, I can't believe we're talking about this segment that like five people are, will even understand, but whatever. Um, I think the way that you're running it, it wouldn't have worked as well for the French either because like whoever went big on Nadal was going to win. Like it was kind of, there's a lot more uh, volatility to this one. Well, well, it would have been fine. I think it would have been fine with the French Open because, I mean, there would have just been one. I mean, Nadal would have basically been Manorino in Wimbledon. So, you know, everyone bets the same on Nadal wins. They all neutralize each other. But then there's variability with the rest of them. Yeah, you got you to gotta hit on one of the other middle of the pack players and try and figure out when they're going out. Nah, Avnish would probably have had Nadal going out in the fourth round. Avnish said that Federer was going to beat Nadal. Oh, that's right. That's how he won the pool, actually. Oh. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is all you need to know about Avnish winning a single tournament. Avnish. So I have some odds. Novak is plus 135. That's Novak Djokovic, not the other Novak. Dennis. Dennis Novak. <laughs> yeah. Federer plus 300. Rafa plus 550. The Greek plus 1600. Felix plus 2,500 along with his countryman, Milos. Sasha Zverev is plus 2,800. Dominic Team is plus 2,800. And Chilich is plus 2,800. So that's the, the first crop there. Then it starts to get progressively uh, weirder. Kevin Anderson and Nick Kyrgios both have the same odds to win Wimbledon. Plus 3,300. Seems like uh, a good way to waste some money. And on the women's side, uh, Ash Barty plus 500. Uh, is that right? I don't know. It sounds like that, that might as well mean that they just threw some stuff in the air and watched where yeah, it landed. Yeah, that, that is right. Um, Angelique Kerber plus 800. Serena Williams plus 800. Carolina Pushkova plus 900. And uh, Petra Kvitova plus 1,200. Osaka, 1,400. Simona Halep, 1,600. So there, there's not really a great consensus on the women's side or the men's side. Should be fun. Might be. Yeah, the, the, the women's side is... It, it probably would have lent itself a little bit better to this type of um, tournament because there's a lot more parity. And there's already inherent um, volatility built in because it's best of three instead of best of five. So combine those two factors and, and really anything can happen when Serena's not in top form. Serena says she's in top form. She even said she wanted to play doubles with Murray. Yeah, but she's not in top form. It would be cool if she plays doubles with Murray, though. Serena just likes to say things, so I will believe it when I see yeah. it. Right. Ostapenko's in top form. <laughs> Ostapenko she is, is in good form, isn't is she? rising, and, and she's certainly a contender for this title. I'm, I'm going with her and Maddie. I like it. 
that's going to be a tough call if they meet in the final. Are they in different halves? Mm, hang on, going to. I, w- I would tend to root for Ostapenko, but but the fact that she's already won a major and, and Keys hasn't might might tilt me towards Keys. Yeah, me too. It would appear they are. They would meet in the semis, I think, where this extremely unlikely scenario to play out. Hey, I have a question for you guys. Do either of you use the word dope to refer to something other than drugs? I don't even think I use it to refer to drugs, but same. Do you use it to refer to something that's awesome? No, I'm not 80. I I I'm not a Wait, you're not 80. The... No. I'm not on the wire. Yeah, that's what I was wondering cuz I hear it a lot from people that are that are my age and older down here. They th- say, oh man, that is so dope. And I don't know, I, I feel like there's a cutoff in age when you, you probably shouldn't use that word. <laughs> but then again, sometimes the word actually is the, the right word. Like, you can't just go around saying everything's great, everything's cool, everything's awesome. That gets boring. Sometimes something really is dope, but I can't, I can't call it that. Well, you could, but we would mock you. I think you should just start saying things are potato. It's too many syllables. It's hard. Nah. I, I, th- I think people want a one-syllable word that kind of rolls off. Like, that's dope, or that's you know, spud, if, if you want to go the oh, potato spud. route. That's yeah. Spud is but, good. We'll go, we'll go with spud. I'm down. Anyone else got anything? For, for what? Well, you guys are real bundles of energy. I got I to gotta spare my energy here. I got to drink beer all afternoon. I was ordering lunch. Now I'm back, mm-hmm. energized. Hey, how are you liking the Sopranos? The Sopranos? There, there is some, there is some stuff to be said about masculinity in that show. Let's say that. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's intentional. You think? <laughs> I'm very sure it's intentional. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever heard David Chase interview? Obviously not. <laughs> no, I mean, I imagine I haven't looked, but I imagine there were there were a few papers written back in the day about that. The mafia, as an organization, isn't known for their great feminism. No, and and it, and it gets worse as the series <laughs> progresses because they they kind of establish some characters in terms of how you think about them, mm-hmm. and so you think of Silvio as um, you know a pretty level headed guy um, and. You know, not that terrible by by comparison of the company he keeps. So then there's this horrible scene in, in um, season three where where he finds um, one of the women who works at his club who's just been skipping work, and when he finds her, he just like drags her out of a home and beats her. And it's just it, it's a horrible scene anyway, but it's so extra it's so extra harrowing because it's still doing it, and you like and you want to think that Silvio is kind of this nice, calm, not so bad guy. And I think that's what David Chase tries to do a lot is to like make you sympathize with these villains and then just remind you in the most shocking ways, horrible that, um, that, that they're really all terrible people. Yeah. I don't even know who yeah. Silvio is. A consigliere. Consigliere. The Bruce Springsteen guy. The E Street guy. But what I do think is interesting as well is how the... Yeah, all this must be deliberate. All the, the women characters are... They're never the stars... But they're usually more interesting or less dumb, or even like it would be normal to have someone like Meadow as the teenage daughter to be like the, I don't know, just like a dumb brat. And they didn't write her that way at all. 
So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. She's kind of performative woke for me. Well, whatever. I mean, this was that was 1999. So, what the hell was woke? Yeah, right. She she knows what she knows what her dad does, and and she tries to deal with that throughout the series, and, and goes through different levels of acceptance. But she's also the smart one, and you know, go, gets into good schools and stuff. Um, what's in, What's interesting about her is that she showed up for her, her audition thinking that she was auditioning for a musical because all she heard <laughs> was the name, and she's a singer. <laughs> oh wow, and, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and and then she learned that this was just a show about mobsters with that last name but they liked her and they cast her anyway oh because she's the singer right so yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome i didn't know that that's dope that's very spud <laughs> anyone else have any last words all right Corey, how's nadal gonna do well i want to hear it uh i didn't study the draw too too in depth um he's got you know obviously he's got to get through his nemesis nick early <laughs> If he does his, that, his biggest rival, his his greatest rival, yes, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I should have pulled that audio. That was amazing. Um, I would like any result, semifinal or better, and I'd be I'd be good with it. I'd like him to defend his points. Okay, I don't I don't know if he's gonna win it. I don't know what he's gonna be playing like. I'm just excited for him to. Uh, you know, to be out there. Well, if it if it emboldens you, Fernando is Fernando sent out a tweet four hours ago. Rafael Nadal will win Wimbledon. His improved serving will win Rafa many free points, and improved sharp and aggressive backhand will result in many winners. Maestro Federer, even with the cupcake draw, <laughs> will fatigue over the fortnight, and Joker's eye of the tiger is gone. I am Fernando. <laughs> Yeah. That's All right, incredible. I'm into it. That's, but he's got Goron now. He's bringing the eye back. Yeah, that that's big news. I, I woke up to learn that even Isovich has joined Team Djokovic, and that's pretty exciting because the last time he hired some wild and nearly psychotic big server, he went on to win six slams in two years. So, But not right so, away. So, no, but almost right away. I don't know. What was it? He, he, he hired him for Australia, up. so... Yeah, he lost in the Australian Open, and then he went on to the best stretch in history. So what we can look forward to is 24 more months of utter dominance by Djokovic. Sorry, everyone. Goran's going to touch up the shit parts on his uh, neck game? More more Serb and volleying. Goran's going to finally fix his overhead. And that will more than offset his lack of eye of the tiger. There was a study about how many points Djokovic loses with overheads he doesn't lose any well no he he doesn't win quite as many as someone who's really good at it but he still wins like way more points hitting an overhead as a percentage than just about any other shot oh yeah sure no he's he's not good at it at all but like when, when you watch his match you'll hear commentators like like you know experienced tennis players like tracy austin be like oh well that's always been his achilles heel no, it's not. He's never lost. He's never lost a match because of bad overheads, un- unless the Nadal net touch was. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, ah, Nadal probably was going to win that match anyway. Well, and, and that's more that's more a matter of Nadal's gamesmanship and his tattletaling than than Novak's poor overheads. So we'll leave it at that. Tattletale. <laughs>
He was like like a crocodile wrapped up in a fishing net. And all you ever say about that play is that it was a net graze. <laughs> it's yeah. just taking a bite. All right. All right. You, you want to mince words? Fine. You can be a pedant. The point is he won the point on tennis terms and he broke a rule that's in place to, you know, have meaningful, to, to be meaningful. Um, th- this is like the shot clock or the serve clock when, you know, someone for a good reason goes 26 seconds. Like it's, it's not taking away from the spirit of how you play tennis. Crashing into the net is the same as the shot clock. Hey, all these rules are just designed yes. to keep Novak from winning and he wins in spite of it. And that's why he's a champion. They, they keep implementing these rules or enforcing them if Nadal insists to try to hold Novak down. It worked in that one match, but oh boy, did he get revenge. Revenges. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for spending your Sundays, uh, Sunday with me. Not the listeners, you guys. I don't know if anyone... Go ahead. This won't even be out until tomorrow. You got like that right. Maybe next week. Yeah, next Sunday. Yeah. There's a lot of piecing together to do. Anyway, Matt Chris, Phil Stoller, Matt Corey. Peace. Hugo Chris. Nobody hang up yet. I.E. Phil. This is going to be a lot to go through. What's not that bad, is it? Say, 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 uh, say popcorn. Yeah, popcorn, popcorn. <laughs>